0: My guest today is Candace Fraser. Candace is a meditation teacher specializing in heart-centered practices. She became a meditation teacher after struggling with a harsh inner critic and loss of personal identity after becoming a mom and now supports others to find their worth, inner calm, and connection to self through heart-centered meditations and mindful living practices. Well, hi, Candace. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm thrilled to talk to you. Oh, Laura, I'm very excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yes. So, you know, when we first got together and had a a pre-recording chat, you know, we talked about all the great things that you're doing as far as teaching meditation and everything sort of surrounding that. So I would love to talk about all the great things that you do these
1: days and start there. Yeah, no, absolutely. So these days, goodness. (laughs) So I guess I am lucky I have a, a local yoga studio that I do classes at. And then I've also developed an online membership, which I'm in the process of transitioning from a closed Facebook group to an app, which has been a Yeah. Fun navigation, (laughs) but we're getting there. Uh, Yeah. So I just, I really love being able to share meditation with people just to notice the profound shift that can happen in people's lives. Just connecting with that inner calm, activating that body's relaxation response. It just feels so good. And I love being able to share that with people.
0: What made you in your personal life turn to meditation?
1: Good question. So I've meditated on and off throughout my whole life. And then uh, I had my darling children, felt like I was kind of losing my mind. (laughs) Maybe I was, I don't know. (laughs) And I kind of just got to a point where I'm like, oh, something has to change. Like I can't keep going like I am. And I kind of thought, you know what, I've meditated before, I'll try, I'll see what happens. And it just changed everything. Like nothing around me changed. My boys were still really exhausting as young children are. You know, work was still a thing. We were still renovating a house. Like we were still doing all the same things. But I found that I could approach all of them from a place where I was just so much calmer, So much clearer. I could start to focus on one thing at a time. I always felt like I was pulled in between. You know, I'd be with the kids, but I'd be thinking about work, or I'd be renovating and just riddled with guilt because I'm not playing with the kids, and, you know, all those things. But after really becoming a regular meditator, I found I would focus on that one thing and give it all my attention. So then I didn't feel guilty when I was doing something at home, not with the kids, because I know I was all there when I was spending my time with the kids. And likewise at work, I started showing up and nailing my job rather than feeling, feeling instead of feeling like I was doing a bad job at everything, I started feeling like I was doing an okay job Everything, so that was a really big shift for me.
0: Why do you think meditation does that? Like, what is it about meditation that you start doing it and then things in your life
1: change? It's interesting, and I had to do a bit of research around this. And when I started to become a meditation teacher, I, I learned a lot more. And and you know, you can get into the neuroscience and the bits of the brain, the hippocampus, the amygdala and all these things. But essentially what's happening is life's busy, right? Life's stressful. And what's happening for a large number of people now is that we're in that fight or flight state more than we ever were in previous generations. You know, the fight and flight, freeze, fall and response, really, really important, really, really important part of our makeup. But now the threats don't come and go, those constant work deadlines, that constant pressure, is always there. So our body is always in this state of fight or flight. What meditation does is help to activate your body's relaxation response. So it's reducing the stress hormones. It's allowing your blood pressure to reduce. It's allowing you to breathe properly so your body's getting more oxygen. So when you're in fight and flight, all your resources are dispersed from all your organs like your digestive tract, um, even your reproductive organs, all those things kind of out to your limbs so you can literally fight or run for your life sort of thing. So when that body's relaxation response is activated, your body just starts doing what it's meant to do. And of course, when we're in that state, we can do things in a mindful way and and just feel better about it, feel calmer. I know for many people, there might be a misconception that
0: they have to meditate for hours every day. What would you say For people who are busy or who want to incorporate it, they just don't see how because life is so busy or it just seems so complicated. What is the minimum requirement for meditation to reap those benefits?
1: Yeah. Look, there's even some research that says if you take five or so breaks throughout the day and just close your eyes and take 10 slow, deliberate breaths, you'll start reaping some of the benefits. Like you'll start activating your body's relaxation response. So it's certainly, you know, anyone can do that. You just attach it to five things during your day. So as soon as you wake up, 10 deep breaths, brush your teeth in the morning, 10 deep breaths after lunch, 10 deep breaths. And again, brush your teeth at night, 10 deep breaths, In bed, 10 deep breaths. Like it's very doable. So I don't think you definitely don't need to meditate for an hour on end every single day. Certainly, if you do, there probably, well, there might be bigger benefits. But a lot of my groups, I just do 15 minute or half hour meditations because people are busy. People are super duper busy. So, you know, if you start at a minute, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. You're still, If anything, setting yourself up for success, because going from the busyness of life, being stressed and overwhelmed to trying to sit down for half an hour, really challenging. Even if you've got the time, it's really difficult and you can find yourself getting frustrated thinking, oh, I couldn't empty my mind. It was so busy. I mean, the reality is that's quite normal in meditation. So you're yeah, not doing it wrong. Yeah. But as a as a newbie, you're really frustrated with that. So you think, oh, I can't do it and give up, which is not what we want. So starting small is perfect.
0: I'm glad that you brought that up. It's called a, a meditation practice for a reason, right? Because we're constantly working yeah. on it, never fully conquered it mm. <laughs> or figured it out. Definitely, definitely. What are your thoughts on... Other ways of getting in that meditative space, for instance,
1: walking or gardening or yeah. dancing. Do those count? Yeah. No, yes, yes, absolutely. I can honestly say some of my most profound meditations were when I was running when I was a lot fitter than I was right now. If you can find something where you kind of feel like you get into that state of flow and you're just in that natural rhythm and everything feels calm and right and light and happy, gardening, painting, walking, absolutely, going on a hike, doing any kind of creative activity can be just as therapeutic as a sitting meditation practice. Yeah, absolutely. So, yes, please, please do them.
0: Oh, wonderful. And I'm glad that you brought that up, because I think that there are so many different people out there in this world. And, you know, things resonate for some and not for others. But, you know, the benefits of meditation are, I say, pretty undeniable, and everybody can benefit from it. But not everybody will get the benefits from sitting quietly. Uh, You know, a lot of times they need to do more. They need to have a different way to gain those benefits. And so I think it's great that even though people may already realize, well, I already know how I feel when I dance or when I garden, like I feel very calm. I feel very centered. Yeah. Maybe for validation here from a meditation teacher that that is indeed a form of meditation. I think it just really I don't know, maybe just gives like a a permission they didn't even realize that they needed to be told that, yeah, you actually are meditating. It just looks a little different and that's okay.
1: 100%. Yeah. And especially uh, for a lot of people who have perhaps a little bit of trauma in their background or depression or anxiety, especially trying to go straight into a sitting practice, it, it can actually almost be more detrimental because it's just like suddenly opening Pandora's box and well, all that stuff that comes out isn't fun unless you've got support around you to navigate that. So doing something creative that you enjoy that is really intrinsically rewarding, but calming. Yep. Highly, highly beneficial.
0: Has meditation done more than just Help you navigate through life. Have you felt that it's perhaps to thin the veil at all between this world and the other side for
1: you? I would say so in an intuitive sense. So I'm not great at picking up where the messages are coming from. Like some people are really great. They're like, oh, this spirit guide and this spirit guide. And I'm like, how do you know? How do you know? But I certainly hear. I certainly hear more messages now, but I don't know where they're coming from. So it's like I have two voices in my head. There's the voice of myself thinking, processing, analyzing, and then there's just this one other voice that comes through and it kind of feels like more of an intuitive voice. And I'm like, oh, where'd that come from? And I really learned that if I don't listen to it, it's to my own detriment. I even a couple of years ago went – camping with my family and some family friends and I had one afternoon to myself no kids no partner no no one so I'm like you know what I'm going to the beach going for a swim when I don't have to look after kids and I'm walking down I'm walking down and and I hear this voice don't get in the water and I'm like what I don't have kids why would I not get in the water I got absolutely pummeled by a wave Full on somersault, lost my hat, lost my glasses, because I was just waiting. Like, I wasn't like swimming deep. I was just having fun. I ended up with vertigo for about two weeks after that. And I'm like, okay, I'll listen to all the messages that come through all the time now.
0: <laughs> That's usually what it takes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it did. It did. That's so interesting. So, I've heard of other people and I've had other guests come on too who talk about a voice that tells them, don't do this, don't do that. I've had more of feelings like, oh, this doesn't feel right, but I'm doing it anyways. So did that voice sound like your voice, but just not your words? Or
1: was it a distinct voice from another entity? Feels like it sounds the same, which is why I think it took me so long to distinguish. Mm -hmm. But when I really notice, it feels like it comes in from a different angle. Like it feels like my thoughts happen through the middle, through the forehead, but it seems to be that when I hear this voice and it kind of comes in from the right, so that's the difference. And it took a lot of time to recognize that difference because, I mean, how often do we spend time in our head figuring out what direction our thoughts come from, which I now (laughs) include in a lot of my meditations. (laughs)
0: From speaking from experience. It's interesting. You said your right side. That's where Jason is always for me. My spirit guide always like even right now, ah. it feels like there's somebody here to my right. I mean, obviously there's nobody sitting here. Yeah. I'm the only one in this room, but that's where he sits and, you know, whoever he represents as well, as far as a guide, but just for simplicity's sake, my spirit guide, Jason sits on my right. I've had other people tell me that
1: too. Oh, there you go. So maybe there is something in that. I think so. You're so lucky <laughs> you? to know yeah. Jason by name. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you've ever heard this story,
0: but... I dreamed about him. That's how I know his name. Gosh, this was a long time ago. Um, I was in my teenage years and I uh, I was going through my, I call it my, my first spiritual awakening, where I learned about spirituality. I learned about spirit guides and I was reading Sylvia Brown books. She was a renowned psychic. She's not in the physical anymore. And she talked about spirit guides and to meet them, you can ask for them to visit you in your dream. And so I did that. And uh, a couple weeks later, I had a dream. This man was in my dream. And I don't know how I knew to ask him, but I did. I asked him if he was my spirit guide. And he said yes. And then I asked him what his name was. And he told me it was Jason. And so that's how I know.
1: <laughs> wow. That is Heard so Heard it straight cool. from him.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. It's, it is. It's awesome. It, it's it's nice. I I understand why it's nice to know the name of guides. They're not necessary. It's more for us. But I'm a human. (laughs) I'm in human form (laughs) right now. I appreciate the name. So that brings me to another question in regards to meditation and entities on the other side, maybe more specifically spirit guides, but whichever angels, whatever. So I'm curious your thoughts on that. How are they able to use that meditative state to communicate with us?
1: Great question. I have theories. Of course, this Let's is not necessarily <laughs> backed by science. But so when we meditate, we're really turning off our critical mind. We're really turning off that analytical thinking. Yes, definitely at the start of meditation, it's observing our thoughts wandering, coming back until we find that stillness. And that stillness is our subconscious. And I just think our subconscious is so much more connected. Our subconscious is so much more in tune with everything to do with us. I think that's what it is. We're bypassing our critical mind and connecting with our subconscious that has that connection. Now, I don't know if anyone else has said something similar, but that's my theory. Well, I love it because where do you think that theory
0: came from? (laughs) It probably came from somebody (laughs) telling you, right? (laughs) On the other side, maybe. I don't know. And Jason just now told me that it produces, he calls it like a, he called it a a super information highway. So it's almost like opens up between us and them just this, it just opens ah. up like a freeway. So no stoplights, you know, no, no side streets where there ah. are lights and things, but it's just like open like a freeway or like an Audubon, <laughs> you know, where it's just oh, wow. free flowing. Oh, cool. Yeah, I know. I keep going like this be- to my right side. I like keep touching the air next to my the right side of my head because that's the side <laughs>
1: that my guy's always where on. he is. <laughs> I know, there he is. He's always there. And that makes sense because our analytical mind doesn't necessarily recognize and it's the chatter like it's the stop sign it's the red lights so that actually makes a lot of sense yeah yeah just kind of nice and open now when you were going through
0: that time of early motherhood and kind of running on fumes Mm -hmm. sticking to the car Mm -hmm. analogy was meditation the first thing that you turned to
1: oh good question I think I came to it Yeah, it definitely was. And at the same time, I started readjusting my diet and exercising a little bit more. So I think together, they were the three main things or the three changes I kind of made. But in saying that, I mean, I was still only exercising when I could around family time. So it wasn't a daily consistent kind of practice. Food was easier to change. Food was definitely easier than Fitting in the exercise because I was already cooking, I was already shopping, I was already doing all those things, so it was just making those little tweaks. But meditation definitely was the consistent thing. And you know what? Some days it was literally three minutes, it was, I'm too tired, I can't do this. It's like, no, just take some deep breaths, just sit with yourself. So it's not like every day I was taking 15 20 minutes to really sit with myself and be with myself, some days it was, it was just a few minutes. I just remember thinking, you deserve this. You deserve to have some time. You deserve to look after yourself because, I I mean, I recognised that I was getting to the point where maybe I wasn't going to be not capable but able to look after the boys in the way that I wanted to. So I knew I had to fill myself up so that I could show up for them. So I think that helped. I know you meant to say you meant to do it for yourself and all intrinsic things. But for me, it was also, I had that, not pressure, it was a good pressure to show up for them. So that's, yeah, I think I got a little off track there with that answer.
0: (laughs) No, gosh, go with the flow, girl. Whatever needs to come out, it's totally fine. So I'm curious. What were the steps, if there were any, any steps that led you from, I've got to do something different. I've got to make a change so I can be present, not only for myself, but for my family and be a better person and be a happier person Yep. to <laughs> <Be happy. laughs> let's try meditation. Was meditation something that was always on your mind you wanted to do or knew you should do? Or was it kind of like, oh, when you had those thoughts of ready to change, did something show up on Facebook where it mentioned meditation? And it's like, oh, I should do that. I'm just curious to know what maybe that intuitive journey looked like for you and how it was laid out for
1: you. Hmm. That's a good question. I think I'd meditated on and off throughout my life and I'd always been curious about it. So, you know, if an article popped up on my feed, I'd always go in and have a little look. So I guess it had always been around. I just never committed to a regular practice. I don't know. I think honestly it was just the fact that I didn't know what to do. Like I I just didn't know what to do and it was like, okay, well I've kind of done this in the past Let's just start there. I don't know if it was intuitive or just a complete fluke, but I was very lucky (laughs) to kind of nail it in that first round before that spiral took me who knows where.
0: Yeah. Lucky in the sense that you did follow through and listen, but I think it was very intuitively divine timing (laughs) when it was supposed to happen. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So now what I want to know is, and I'm thinking more for like the listener who, uh, you know, maybe is curious about meditation or knows that they should try it, but they haven't yet because they're worried about time, da, 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 Or somebody who has just started meditating and hear about all the benefits, but they feel like it hasn't happened to them yet. I know there's no one right answer, but in general, how long can it take to see the benefits of meditation? Is it pretty instant? Does it take
1: like a couple weeks or sessions? It's certainly something that's accumulative. I kind of think of it like going to the gym. So if you're trying to get a six pack, which by the way, I never have and never will. So it's not an example I'm using from personal experience, (laughs) but say you're going and you want a six pack. If you go to the gym once a year and do some sit-ups, It's not going to make a massive difference. But if every morning you wake up and you do 10 sit-ups, over time you're going to start noticing, oh, there's a bit of definition there. And, And over time that will grow and grow and grow. So that's kind of how I try and explain the benefits of meditation. Even when you're starting to do your six packs and you can't see anything, but you'll feel it like you kind of feel a little bit inside. And I think with meditation, because there isn't necessarily a physical change happening, sometimes we miss the subtle benefits that start popping up. And some of them might be that you're just a little bit more efficient at the things that you're doing. You're a little bit more motivated. So instead of coming home and sitting on the couch and going, oh, I just, I can't do the laundry. You might go, okay, I'm just going to do it and get it done. And I know that's not an exciting benefit, but it's those little things that kind of start to happen that then ripple out into the rest of your life. So, I mean, there's no set time frame. Certainly after every meditation, you're going to feel better for a little bubble. I call it a little bubble, meditation bubble. Uh, and that might last for the day. That might last for half an hour. It really depends on the person. But the benefits really... Come and accumulate with a with a more regular practice. That doesn't mean that you know you have to commit to twenty minutes every day, and you miss one day, and you're back starting at the start. It's it's like the gym. You would like you miss one day at the gym, you're gonna be okay, sort of thing.
0: Well, thank you for painting that realistic picture and giving people an idea of what to expect, so they don't get so frustrated after one time. Like, where are all these benefits that everybody talks yeah. about? Yeah. <laughs> so. To help wrap up our interview, what advice would Candace of today give Candace from her past? Perhaps the one with the exhausted mom. <laughs>
1: oh, geez. I think the problem here is that exhausted mom wouldn't have listened to any helpful advice.
0: <laughs> pretend she did, then.
1: <laughs> pretend, pretend she did. <laughs> yeah. Silly girl. Silly girl. Um, maybe I that's think... the first one, right? Listen to advice. <laughs> Listen, listen, be open. Yeah. Give yourself permission to be open to receiving advice and filtering it on what is right for you. Definitely. Um, But I think, and it sounds cliche, but it's okay to look after yourself. And I know it sounds like I hear it and I'm like, ew, those words are so commercialized now, but it doesn't mean that you have to take a spa day. It doesn't mean that you have to take a weekend away. It doesn't like it. It can look like something small. It can look like, okay, I'm just going to go for a walk around the block by myself. Like it it can be really small like that, but it's okay. Yeah. That's it. It's okay to look after yourself. It's hard when you're in that stage of life, but that's my advice. Well, that is Absolutely wonderful advice and a great reminder
0: to all of us. So thank you so much for sharing that. And Candice, I really want to thank you for your time today and for sharing about your story and sharing your knowledge. Do really appreciate you. So thank you so much. Oh, no, Laura.
1: Thank you so much. I love your podcast. You're a very clever lady spreading a lot of spiritual wisdom into the world. It's fabulous. Oh, thank you.
0: And that was another episode of A Guided Life Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, love and light always.